What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. I'm here. We've got Jeff Burkus sitting on my left, Brandon Robinson sitting on my right, and we just got back from our first day of practice as the national team and then the American team took the field. Jeff, how's it feel to be in Mobile? This is your first time just like mine, right? I have been in Mobile multiple times, but not for the Senior Bowl. So I always come back for the Shrimp Po Boys, right? But uh, mm-hmm. now I get to watch a little football. Very fun. Uh, good to see some college all-star action. Fun fact, uh, in a restaurant called Mama's, like you're going to find in Mobile, I had to explain to Brandon, who's a Michigan man, what a po' boy was. Oh. He'd never heard of one, which I was like, you got to be kidding me. Now, what kind did you get? I did not get the, the shrimp po' boy. Um, I don't even remember what it, I knew. The waitress believed in the burger over the po' boy, which yes. I was like, thank you for telling me that, because if you don't believe in your po' boys, I don't either. But pro tip, I think it's grilled shrimp. I don't like too much fried, so grilled shrimp po' boy is the way to go, okay. in my opinion. But also a, like a debris po' boy or something like that, roast beef with a little juice. Ooh, that's good too. That's so. Good. It was my first time even hearing what a po' boy was. That was it was foreign language to me. <laughs> Brandon sits down with me and watches me just order sweet tea without even looking at the menu, and he's like, "Did you did you see it on the menu? Did you know something?" I was like, "I'm in the I'm in the south. This is what we do." Yes. <laughs> But anyways, back to football and the Senior Bowl. I mean, there's the cool thing about this trip is that we get to see a lot of names, a lot of players that could easily show up in the Bears system because now that we've heard Ryan Poles talk about valuation as well as evaluation and, I mean, thank goodness the Bears aren't looking for a quarterback. Not It's not to say that I don't like some of the quarterbacks. It's more to say that we don't have to spend the first 20 minutes of this podcast dissecting Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. So instead, we get to talk about DBs, wide receivers, some D-line, offensive line, but, I mean, hey, you're Eyes can only go in so many places. Brandon, who did you see that stuck out in a good way? Well, the first practice was the the national team. Uh, by far, the number one guy that stood out was Christian Watson, wide receiver, North Dakota State. A lot of you, a lot of you guys would have remembered him from highlights of Trey Lance throwing him the ball. He re- he really stood out for the first time watching highlights of him breaking down Trey Lance's film. Six uh, four guy, lean. You can immediately tell he's just he's just, he's just a dude walking around. But where he first stood out was probably in his route running when they were going through drills. He just looked so much more crisp than all the other receivers. I thought Alec uh, Pierce also did well. He's a wide receiver from Cincinnati. He he also stood out. But the difference between him and Watson was just leaps and bounds, and it's it's just so weird. Because he, he looks like such a complete receiver coming from North Dakota State. And it's just not something that you would really expect. I was, I was decently high on him coming in. But, I mean, he surprised me, like, I don't know, as much as, as, much as I possibly could expect coming in. Totally. I mean, if there's anything to be high about, or like high on in this Senior Bowl, something I've been surprised about, Brandon, it's been that so 
We really recently got news that Jalen Dotson, obviously a hot, low first round, high second round wide receiver prospect, depending on who you ask, wasn't going to be participating. And as soon as that happened, I mean, the reality set in that the senior bowl wide receiver crop was not a particularly strong one. I mean, especially compared to some of the DBs that you've got, for instance, on the American team that are slated to be late first round, early second rounders. The wide receivers that we had, like best we had was high third round guys. So to see within that group, somebody like Christian Watson, and look, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but just a sneak peek, somebody did exactly the same thing on the national side. One of these receivers assert themselves, both in agility drills, one-on-ones, and also in 11-on-11 periods. I feel like that's a really good sign, you know what I mean? 100, 100%. I mean, that, that's what you're looking for, because these guys in, in lower levels of football, they can, they can show out, and that's all fine and dandy, but they need to show out in higher levels of competition where, like, these guys, there's a lot of NFL guys on this field. Like, the Senior Bowl has slowly grown and grown and grown where you have four of the top five quarterbacks in this year's draft all down here in the Senior Bowl because they know all of these scouts are down here. I mean, I know you guys all saw all of of the NFL gear down here. Like, there's there's a lot of NFL personnel down here. So, I mean, these guys are... These guys are fighting to, to move up the draft, and I, I think a guy like Watson really really showed out because he was able to show not only is there a difference between his competition of who he played in college, but there's also a difference, difference of him compared to the wide receivers here. Right. It's one of those where you, you suddenly take a look at a guy who normally might be, because remember, and, or like where he played, FCS school, obviously small-time competition, here, among other guys that have been in SEC schools, Big 12 schools, Cincinnati, which granted is not Big 12, but obviously they made the playoffs this year. You watch what he was doing out there. He was awesome. I mean, he did not look like some small school guy. A couple other guys that I know I can mention from the skill positions. We saw Kobe Bryant the in the corner from Cincinnati. I thought he played pretty well. Dobbs, whose name I cannot remember, the wide receiver, he looked, he's a taller, bigger mold guy, and I thought he looked really pretty good. Romeo Dobbs out of Nevada, looks like. Just thank you, JB, for the roster (laughs) assist. Uh, I thought, I I don't want to get into tight ends until it's time to get into tight ends. I feel like Brandon and JB, these tight ends are looking really, really solid. I'll, I'll just bleed into it. Trey McBride, for instance, can run a route. And he might be a little smaller than some guys. He's not 6'6". He's closer to 6'3". But he is stout. Like, I need to go look at his weight. But he's physical at the at both the catch point and mid-route running. He was, I would say, snapping off his routes in about half the time that it took other tight ends to get through their breaks. And he was doing so without any, like, shoulder dip or anything that would otherwise signal or tell on himself before he ran them. He looked like a very, very good receiving tight end. And hey, I'm not trying to diss on anybody here, but with Jimmy Graham phasing out, if the Bears end up in the third or fourth round with one of these tight ends on the board, I feel like that's going to be a real question mark because if the Bears could find a high-value tight end, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's it's really, really hard because it, it's just so unfortunate because I feel, I feel like the Bears have needed a tight end for the longest of times. And now we finally have a stacked tight end class. And now they're moving to an 11 personnel offense where you only need one tight end. And I'm, 
I'm not the biggest Cole commit guy, but he he's still a starter level guy, and so like I, I don't know it, it it would be hard to pass on one of these guys, but I mean there there is a ton of value at the tight end position just in the senior bowl here. Right, Jeff. Who did you see? Who stuck out to you? Well, I focus on the offensive line. You told me I couldn't watch the skill position Not allowed. players. You pointed me towards the the larger individuals and. I don't know if it's the sheer size of this gentleman, but it, the gravitational pull of uh, Daniel Falele, Falele, Falala la la all all day. The Minnesota offensive lineman, 6'8", 387 pounds, um, and that is a trimmed down offensive lineman. He has lost <laughs> some weight since last he year. He makes it look lean, and mm-hmm. he he moved well, and he he moved. Uh, you know, in drills, he, he looked pretty fluid. Thought it was pretty impressive. You know, one-on-one drills with offensive linemen and defensive linemen can get a little tricky sometimes. And the defensive lineman that he was going up against uh, got the better of him. Um, but you know, he, it's tough to not focus in on a, a guy that big. You know, he's next to other really good college players and making them look, you know, not small but medium or, mm-hmm. or, or slim. Um, so, so that that guy stood out. Um, of course, just giving Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa some love because uh, that's you know my alma mater. But I also want to talk about Zion Johnson, who took some reps at center. I would love to see if we could uncover a, a center here, but I don't think he looked necessarily natural at center. I liked his guard reps better than center. Again, it's first day. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens here. I think they're trying to you know force these guys to show some versatility. He looked a little bit more natural at guard, and then defensive lineman for me, the guys that stuck out. Number 11, Dominique Robinson. He was a real awesome. great get-off, mm-hmm. right? I have mm-hmm. never – we'd never watched any of his tape. Like, I know I and Brandon, I think you did the same, tried to just crunch through as many players as possible as soon as we got credentialed for the Senior Bowl. He didn't make my short list of guys I was trying to go through, and suddenly there we all were. You, me, and Brandon, and Nicholas Moreno, we went, hey, that 11 guy, he's pretty big. He looks like he could be pretty good. Lines up, immediately beats the guy in front of him, not once but twice. I mean, that's what's funny about actually being at practice, right? You can go, oh gosh, that guy can play from Miami, Ohio. Yeah, that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping for a guy to kind of pop off and look like, hey, that guy looks, you know, because you're now you're in a group of peers. And so you can see when the guys don't belong or when the guys are maybe rising above, that's going to get some interest from people. The only other guy I'll mention um, he's wearing number 91, and I had to look him up because my roster sheet stops at number 84. Um, but number 91, <laughs> UCLA defensive lineman uh, Otito Agbania. And I am, apologize to his family for butchering his last name there. Uh, he, he looked really good in individual drills and had a lot of energy, and I thought that that was good. When he got the team, it looked like he was more focused on you know, run stopping, even if it was a pass play. He wasn't really showing off any pass moves. He was just trying to lock out and, and try to c- control the line. So um, kind of interesting uh, to watch him. I, I kind of focused on the big tackle from Minnesota and, and him and number 11, that Dominique um, Dominique Robinson. So uh, pretty interesting guys from, from the national level on the, on the line. Mm-hmm. I think what makes this draft so interesting in particular, I mean, we're coming off of Ryan Pace's tenure, right? And if – if I could be honest, guys, if Ryan Pace was good at anything, we could pick out what the first couple positions selected were going to be every single season with ridiculous accuracy. I mean, Cole Kmet's year, we knew they were drafting a tight end. We hoped they drafted defensive back. Bang, bang, Cole Kmet, Jalen Johnson. 
We knew they would needed a running back in 2019. Bang, David Montgomery. Quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, with a tight end afterwards in Adam Shaheen. So, I don't want to say Pace tipped his picks. That's ridiculous. But it's more to say that, especially after free agency, he'd leave something wide open. I don't know how you guys are feeling, but with the Bears having so few guys under contract right now, it is wide open. They could take one of these tackles. They could take a corner that they really like. They could take a corner later, though, and take a wide receiver up at 39. They could trade back, look for two people. I mean, watching the way that this roster comes together and looking around the Senior Bowl, you see value guys out there. Like, I really love Baylor's safety JT Woods as a cover two system fit. He's a former track athlete that plays fast, and he's long, too. Right now, he's valued as... (laughs) undrafted, but I don't know how he stays there. He's playing too well. His tape is too good. But also, higher tier guys, like some of the guys we'll talk about in just a second from the second practice, that are more round two, round three kinds of guys, could also come to play. This feels wide open. You know what I mean, Brandon? Right, right. Yeah, of course. I, I Particularly the national squad, I, I was kind of impressed by the O-line just because they had so many guys that I knew were highly ranked, but, I mean, just coming in, they looked apart. I mean, Daniel Falele, as he was saying, he, like, 6'8", 387. Like, these guys do not exist in the NFL at all. So, like, if they're if, if they're able to, like, maybe bring him in, like, I think he's the guy that could really, really develop. And I think that's, like, that's a perfect, like, you could have Larry Bourne, right? So maybe he projects as a swing tackle, but if you have two guys like that competing, I, I, I think there's a lot of value there. And I, there's, a, there's a lot of tackles in this year's class, and I think, especially for this national team, I mean, I, we might be looking at them tomorrow because I think that's, there's a lot of reps that I think we could take away. We're going to have to split our eyes up a little bit because I know we were all kind of watching wide receivers, DBs, except for you, JB. When, when it comes to what you're seeing, just on this Bears roster, you don't have to pick out a player specifically, JB, but what positions do you feel like the Bears would look to lean right now at the top of the draft? Or do you think that they'll trade back? Well, I think what, one of the things that was interesting was to not see what I considered a natural center that you could project and you know, as a day one guy like Creed Humphrey was last year. You know, I, I, for, for those of you that listened to the lead up to the draft last year, I talked about Creed Humphrey a lot. And if you can fill that role in the draft with uh, you know, the second or third rounder, a guy that can come in and start, great. But if you're not seeing that natural center you know, high floor prospect, then that means to me that you're probably going to have to go get that guy in free agency, which you'll be able to nail down before the draft. And so some of this is, you know, where, like, like Brandon was saying, you've got a great crop of, of tight ends. And so the value of that tight end group may push down into the later rounds. That's great because the Bears really can't afford to spend a premium pick on one of those guys when they have holes at wide receiver and they need to make sure that they're solidifying the offensive line. So I would say that they're going to have to figure out what James Daniels' future looks like. Ryan Poles is going to have to make that determination. Right. If he decides to walk, he's probably going to need to fill one of those interior offensive line spots in the draft. Not to get too far down a Bears roster building tangent, because this is Senior Bowl. We've got a whole second practice to cover. But I know one position that I think I'm watching, and this is part of why I want to bring up Christian Watson again, is what the Bears are going to do at receiver. Because I feel like this receiver class is extremely top 
heavy. It's not that it lacks talent. Guys like Jamison Williams, guys like Jahan Dotson, plenty of other guys that I could mention, but they just don't, I don't need to. You can go look them up. They're dudes. They've got, there are some great receivers out there, but if you trade down from 39, you could probably get one of these tight ends around round four with an extra pick that you got from moving back to 52, and there would still be a solid tackle out there. Somebody who's not at the senior bowl that Brandon showed me yesterday was a guy named Tyler Smith, and he plays like he hates people. I mean, if you thought you liked Tevin Jenkins' aggression, go watch this kid from Tulsa and specifically watch his uh, his Cincinnati game. I mean, he gets to the point where he's grabbing guys' wrists just to make fun of him and probably hits about four pancakes. You heard me, JB. Four pancakes in the middle of the game that are just nasty. There are some players in this draft. And maybe that's because I'm kind of new to this whole draft scouting thing. So I'm starting to see guys and I'm like, that kid can play. That kid can play too. Getting your crushes. Getting your crushes. But you could probably move back from 39 and still get one of those crushes while also getting some of these scheme guys later that especially on a team right now that's just so low on guys in the roster, maybe that's the way they go. I'm really curious. Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a real good opportunity for guys like Christian Watson to move up the draft. You talk about the wide receiver class, and because it, there are so many guys at the top that are good, but a lot of them are injured. Like Jamison Williams tore his ACL, right? Trey Glendon completely shattered his ankle. John Mechie, he also tore his ACL, and these are these are all serious injuries. So I think there's a lot of a lot of room to grow. And I think it'll be interesting to see where guys like Christian Watson go and how the Bears kind of attack that number 39 pick. Because like you said, I think it's a really good opportunity to trade back. I mean, they're they're desperate for picks. I mean, five picks is not enough in the draft. So I, I, I think it'll be interesting. I know they're going to put a heavy, high priority into the offensive line just because the GM is a former offensive lineman. The assistant GM is a for, former offensive lineman. The head coach is a defensive guy, so you know he's going to value the run game. Uh, I think in like like JB was talking about about identifying guys in the draft and knowing where it's strong, where it's weak. I actually think the interior of this offensive line class is a little weak, so I think that's a spot in free agency where they could maybe attack center. And I think there there are a couple of guys, Brian Allen. Um, Ryan Jensen, there are certain guys that they could maybe attack and take take out some of the holes and then be able to hit in value in the draft instead of reaching like like you've, you've seen Ryan Pace do in the past. Yeah, it'll be really, really interesting. But thankfully, we're not near done with prospects. One that I have to plug purely because I I love watching his tape. I don't know where he's going to go. I have to talk at least a little bit about Baylor safety Jalen Petrie because he's he's just a bizarre player. You heard J, you may have heard JB giggle, but what's funny about it is we're talking about a guy who is comfortable playing up on the line. He is not comfortable in a backpedal, and if that starts to sound more like a linebacker than a safety, trust me, the tape kind of suggests the same. The question is, what is a, what is he, 5'10", 200 pounds kind of guy going to play in terms of like, you're not putting him at linebacker unless you carved out a unique role for him, which is not to say that the Bears would do that, but they could, especially if they wanted to play a more coverage base. I don't know. We're going to have to see what happens with him. Anybody else that you want to mention before we move on to the national team? Uh, that was the national. 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> the American team. I keep getting these things confused. One guy, I don't know if he stood out to you, but I, I saw I saw a couple of clips on Twitter. I didn't really necessarily watch the edge as much, but was Boy Boye Mafe, edge dresser from Minnesota. I know he's he really stood out to people and I mean he made a little bit of a splash on here. I'm excited to see what he could do tomorrow. Um, Kirby Joseph is a guy I want to pay more attention to as safety out of Illinois. Uh, but yeah, Chad, I want to talk about Chad Mome just because the Mike linebacker position and the Bears' new cover two defense is going to be very, very important. Um, I think I thought he was extremely underwhelming today. He's one of the top linebackers in this year's class, and that is a position I know the Bears will be paying close attention to. Apparently what I was hearing was he was decent in the run drills, but I know you and I watched him in a bunch of those pass drills. And I mean, he was getting cooked and cooked and cooked, which is not what you want out of a potential Mike linebacker in a cover two scheme. But hey, that's what the rest of these days are for. And we've got a whole nother practice to cover. So here on the other end of the sponsorship break, the three of us will be right back at you to talk through the American team. Stay tuned. And we are back with Bear With Me, wrapping up day one of the Senior Bowl. I'm here with Jeff Burkus and Brandon Robinson, and let's dive into the American team. Which, look, I don't want to talk like I've got clear favorites here, but the American team is stacked in a way that the national team is not. I mean, whether it's Roger McCreary from Auburn or Darion Kendrick from Georgia, I mean, there are some names here that are really big. And when we talk about really big, JB, I'm sure you saw it, their offensive line is really, really good. But what did you see, Brandon? Did anybody stick out to you in this practice? Uh, Jalen Tolbert was a guy that I was coming into practice I was looking forward to see, and he just – for a wide receiver, he's so thick on the lower half. Like, we were, we were expecting Malik Willis to be one of the thicker guys in the lower half, but he really stood out to me. I know I had not seen – let's see. The Clemson corner, Mario Goodrich, I know that you saw him previously. I thought he put in quite a few reps against Jalen Tolbert that I was surprised by just because he's a thicker corner, and he he really showed out in press today. Yeah, I mean, I thought he looked good. JB, I know you didn't actually get to make it to this practice, so I don't want to pull you in too often or leave you out on Let your own. Let me have a question. I have a question for you yeah. guys. So I, I, I had to take care of a hotel issue, but... Malik Willis is an interesting guy, mm-hmm. and you have quarterbacks that have maybe some pretty high-recognition names in the first practice, including mm-hmm. uh, uh, Kenny Pickett being kind of the, the big one, Carson Strong, another one. I, I didn't see any, like, wow throws from any of them. I didn't, there was one, I think it was, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say, there was one throw that was a deeper throw that looked like a dying duck from mm-hmm. one of these quarterbacks. So I haven't seen, like, you know, that was from wow. Carson Strong. It was from Carson. I didn't want to. I thought it was, but I was like, yeah, I better Inquiring not. Inquiring minds want to know. Right, right, right. That, that was an ugly throw. So I, I guess you know, have you seen you know this like a live arm? Like, it, it, is is one of these guys standing out to you as being like, wow, this guy's got an NFL arm? Yes, for sure. Malik Willis. I mean, you just as soon as you see him throw the ball, it just it it ends all levels of the field. The ball just juices the juices right out of his arm i like i i actually comped him before coming here that he he really reminds me of josh allen coming coming out a lot of people had have were really worried about josh allen's accuracy same thing with malik willis i think they offer similar things in the run game 
they have this this trait that's really hard to describe. I, me and uh, Robert have talked about it a lot. It's just this YOLO trait where they just make plays or willing to throw around their body. And it just seems like him and Malik Willis are just guys that continuously make plays like that. And I know we've talked about it previously, but the I the the fact that the Giants got Brian Dable, and in my opinion, they probably need a quarterback. I think Malik Willis for them just makes way too much sense. I hope their scouts are really watching closely because they have two picks in the top ten. He's the guy that I would really pound the table for. So to talk quarterbacks for a little bit, thank you for bringing it up, JB. I mean, look, the joke that I know I would make here and will is as a Bears fan, it was awfully nice to not be obsessed with the quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl because there was some real talent there. But in that first practice, we didn't really talk about Kenny Pickett. He looked outstandingly accurate. I mean, in the short and intermediate ranges, he hit anything, he hit it on time. But then they went to 11s and he took a lot of sacks. I don't know what he was looking for. I don't know whether his internal clock just wasn't on. I know he had a ton of time behind a great offensive line at Pittsburgh, but we saw a ton of plays where a defensive end ran right to him, ran right by him. And sure, he still got the throw off, but that's because they're not hitting anybody with red jerseys. Malik Willis was not that. Malik Willis, on the 70% of the throws that were accurate, because 30% of them were just air mails, like too far, too high. And to not talk about that would be disingenuous. But on all the others, you saw bullet throws, you saw nice balls, you even saw deep touch passes, like high arcing trajectory throws that were right where you wanted it. When he wasn't way off, he was right where you wanted him to be. Which I think is a real positive. Like, we're not talking anything that slipped behind. We're not talking anything that was just a little too far out in front, but the wide receiver pulled it in. Trust me, the speed Malik was throwing the ball, they weren't catching anything that was right on target. He was looking like he was going to blow some people's gloves off, which I'm sure you've seen in Justin Herbert and Josh Allen's young film. But Malik looks, to me, like the only quarterback that I think I'd be willing to stake a first-round pick on. Certainly a high first-round pick. Now, is that how this is going to play out? I mean, come on, JB. Teams need a quarterback every single year, and they're willing to fight over them. But I would be really worried. that All this talk about the 2022 quarterback class not being very good, I would be really worried if I needed to bet my franchise on Kenny Pickett. And it's not that... And it's just one day of practice. I haven't even done some massive film analysis. But Malik looked comfortable, even in messy pockets, which was neat in 11s. But outside of that, I mean... We are talking about redshirt quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not going to count on these guys to come in. And even, as Brandon said, you were talking to some guys from from John Boy who uh, covered the Giants, and you pitched to them like, what do you guys think about maybe spending a pick on Malik Willis? And they were like, ah, well, you know, they've talked about Danny Dimes. And it's like, yeah, yeah, well, we've heard that sort of thing before, right? (laughs) Where you, you get lip service to a certain individual and then... They do the opposite thing in the draft. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Giants went that direction. But like like Brandon's saying, you've got the coach who just harnessed the wild horse that is right. Josh Allen. So if you bring in a guy that has Josh Allen-like traits, can Brian Dayball do the same thing right. for Malik Willis? If Justin Fields is a pure quarterback in the sense that you kind of watch him glide around and he makes hard throws look incredibly easy, right? That chaotic, raging bull, the wild stallion that is Josh Allen, Malik Willis is very, very similar. 
Brandon, I, I agree with you on the comp. It's not that they're the same at all. It's that you get a similar energy from watching Josh Allen and watching Malik Willis. And whether Brian Dable could hire or could harness that, I don't know. I do have to pivot to tell one quick story that we did run in here, like the three of us, to a Packers fan that is a really big fan of Jordan Love. And so one funny story was Brandon asked him at first, hey, are you looking for a quarterback? And he was like, no, no, we love Jordan Love. Everybody, like Jordan Love's going to be great. And then JB came by, sat down, found us. And JP, what did you ask? Asked the exact same thing. But I was, I mean, I'm half serious because, you know, Jordan Love and Rodgers going to get traded. And then the other half is, it's just, we get to start this prodding of Packers fans who have enjoyed, <laughs> you know, 32 whatever years straight of Hall of Fame quarterback play. And I am so here for the next era of Packers football that doesn't employ a Hall of Fame quarterback. I do think it's kind of funny talking to Packers fans because we've seen a few of them that'll talk about the different problems that they're seeing with the team. Like, oh, I'm so worried about putting this together. And I can't help but keep thinking like, man, I can't imagine what you'd feel like if your team was the Bears. And <laughs> I love the Bears, but they don't the last know. three years they, The reality is hard. that they don't know. They don't understand unless those fans are, you know, 55 years old, right? Like they just really haven't had real football that they have watched that doesn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback at the front. Right. And so it's going to be amazing for that to not happen for them. Just mm-hmm. like, let's move on to the Jordan Love era. I know one thing that when it comes to moving forward, I'm really curious about. Eventually, the Bears are going to have to pick a position, right, that they don't prioritize, which is not to be doomsday or scary. It's more to say that with, let's call them holes at uh, center and a potential hole at tackle, depending on what you think of Borum, which is not to be inflammatory. I mean, if they move Jenkins, they're, they're going to have another hole at tackle. They've got a hole at corner or nickel, depending on what you think of Thomas Graham, wherever they play him. They need a second safety. They need an interior defensive line. They need another linebacker. There are enough of these guys that you can't spend a second round pick on everybody. And I know that's partially where, Brandon, I keep finding guys like Mario Goodwin uh, and I, I just, I like the way it's, sorry, it's Mario Goodrich from Clemson, who's the second corner on Clemson, and sure, he deals with the wide receiver too a lot, but he seems like he's got good zone instincts. I mean, we saw another guy in Darion Kendrick that really struggled today, like a zone instinct corner that I did not think showed out the way that Roger McCreary did, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of choices the Bears make. Wouldn't surprise me if they try to scoop some late DBs and find system fits more so than ultra-athletes, because I know they need that length and speed more at linebacker and potentially defensive line than they do at DB, which is not to undermine the importance of DB, more to suggest that they're harder to evaluate. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely, now that they're switching to the cover two, I really expect them to undervalue corner. I mean, I know corner is like an ascending position of value in the NFL, and just playing in the cover two and what, they, what they're going to ask of their corners, I think they're going to value them a lot less. And I think linebacker position, the NFL is valued less. I think they're going to value it a lot higher, which I think is tough just based on the linebackers that are going to be available this offseason. Yeah, there's not, there's not a lot 
of phenomenal linebackers. I mean, at least it doesn't feel that way to me. You've got guys that aren't here, like Dean from Georgia, but the guys that are here, people like Channing Tindall, people like, um, I keep forgetting the guy that we just talked about on the the show, Chad Muma. The linebackers that continue to show out here at the Senior Bowl are not showing out super well. And it's always hard to tell, JB, I'm sure you know what we're talking about, where uh, when linebackers and these running backs are hitting each other in practice, there's always an element of, okay, well, don't, don't hit them too hard. And you can very clearly tell that a running back will, quote-unquote, take something to the house when he had four guys that ran right by him, right. tapped him on the hips, and <laughs> ran off. So, but the linebackers that we're seeing, they're not as long as Eberflus tends to like these guys, but they're also not particularly skilled in coverage, which, hey... It'll be interesting to see what the, the what decisions the Bears make, but they got to find a Mike linebacker somewhere. You know, it's it's interesting what Brandon says though in terms of you know the it's hard to find these lockdown corners and NFL's valuing them higher, so they're being pushed up into the drafts. You're spending more on them when you find them, and then you know you're devaluing linebackers, so you're not paying them as much. They're more of a bargain. You're pushing them down into the draft, and that that's kind of a a, a game. Uh, that's a you know strategy there where you can now try to spend more capital, more money to get the best linebackers, and you you might be able to fill out your your defensive roster and, and rely on those guys. Whereas you can maybe get by with a specific scheme type corner, and so you don't have to spend all of that capital on corner. And right. so so that that's that's just like game theory right there. Uh, where you're able to take advantage of the market um, with your resources, which the Bears are going to need to do this offseason because they have limited capital in both the draft and in free agency dollars. The X factor that I legitimately think the Bears' defensive backfield is going to, I don't want to say hinge on like he matters this much, but the biggest steal that I think that they've found recently is Thomas Graham. Now, I'm a huge Thomas Graham nut, but it's more to say that you're not supposed to find sixth rounders that have his kind of burst in anticipation. You just get them when a guy opts out of the 2020 season and is a little small and underathletic and just took a year off of football. The extenuating circumstances of COVID kind of allowed that pick to happen. And normally, a sixth round defensive back, like just to give an example of somebody who I think plays like a sixth round defensive back or worse, I mean, uh, Gregory Jr. on the national team was getting smoked all day long from Watchtop Baptist, which, hey, not all small school guys are Steven Denmark, right? <laughs> um, but the point is, is that it'll it'll be really intriguing to see what this Bears defensive backfield thinks they need. Do they see Graham as a starting corner? I mean, maybe, but I do think he fit the size scheme, which is just a smidge different, a little bit better. Do they see him as a nickel corner? Well, they might, but that means that they need a starting corner. So... It'll be, I'm I'm so interested to see what happens next. Before we close up, Brandon, did you get a look at any of the offensive defensive linemen? Because I know they got some dudes on offensive line on this team. Well, Jermaine, Jermaine Johnson specifically really stood out. And the funny thing about him is I really thought he's always stood out as an edge rusher out of Florida State. And it just seems like everybody is so low on him. But being that he's a, a former five-star, he's a guy that I always try to pay more attention to just because you know coming out these five-stars really athletic. And I thought he really stood out today 
And I think that's going to push his stock up. And that's a guy that you're going to hear about coming in the first round and that isn't being mocked at all in the first round. Right. I know a couple offensive linemen. One thing, you talked about offensive line earlier in the show. I think that there's some interesting value offensive line here. We've got, uh, oh my word, JB, can you pull up the roster? Perfect. For instance, I know one guy that I am just gaga over. I shouldn't be, but I really, really love watching Max uh, Mitchell from Louisiana. Number 73. He is a roughly 300-pound offensive tackle. Might be a swing guy. Might be a low-end starter, but I love the way he plays because he's super fluid in pass coverage. You've got some other, I don't want to say goofy offensive linemen, but more project guys. Like, I know one that comes to mind there is Darian Kennard, who honestly... He has some of the sloppiest handwork that I've seen in this, in, in, in honestly, offensive line in quite a while. But when you're 6'8 and 350 pounds and you move like that's a normal weight to be at, you can, you're kind of allowed to do that in college and still get drafted pretty high. There are some interesting projects. I know the Georgia tackle, his last name's Sawyer, is going to get moved inside. You're going to find some guards out of the tackles that exist there, but there aren't a lot of centers. I mean, there, there are not a lot of centers. So I don't know who's gonna go where there. Right. I think I think as I talked about earlier, it's an undervalued position. It's funny that you met you mentioned Kennard because we hadn't talked about it, but that's something that I noticed about him too. Because he he looked out of all the offensive linemen, he really looks the part. But as you said, he is extremely sloppy. Sloppy to the point where it's like, is this guy was this guy getting coached up? Like, because his hands were just in the wrong spots every single time and that was the guy that Jermaine Johnson took advantage of because at the end of, at the end what they had was your bet the best offensive lineman versus the best defensive lineman and for some reason they picked out Kennard and on the very first rep he got completely embarrassed and I think that's probably going to be one of the one of the videos that viral I need to check Twitter but he he really got pantsed and I don't know where he's going to the draft I don't know where he's mocked but I, I don't know. I was really not impressed with him. Mid-second round, to answer okay. your question. I mean, that's the thing. Mitchell and Kennard are the exact opposites, right? One's 300 pounds and is a gorgeous striker. Take a look at him tomorrow, JB. You'll really, really appreciate just how clean he is with his hands. I'm consistently impressed when I watch him, and he gets a ton out of an otherwise pretty light weight. And on, on the other side, you've got guys that are all projection, right? Mm-hmm. And no position has those better than offensive line where you've just got a big, hulking, mammoth person that moves like he thinks he's an elephant, not a mammoth. And you're like, we can work with that. But I, that's what makes the draft fun, right? It's two different coaching staffs. One fun little tidbit, the Lions staff spent the whole first half of practice, or it's closer to the first quarter of practice, without any helmets, to the point where everybody started looking around wondering why are they why are they still running 11 on 11 without any helmets uh, but so you know maybe uh, that's just a lions thing that they've figured out in detroit maybe well you know when you're at the senior bowl one of the things that's helpful is that the seniors bring their helmets so you get to identify them quickly based on oh that guy's from oklahoma oh that guy's from lsu because you recognize the helmet right and so if they're running around without their helmets on, 
and they're wearing a foreign number because they're wearing a number for this specific all-star game, you're constantly looking at your, your sheet. So it's really helpful if they just keep their helmets on because then you can identify the school and associate it that way. So, oh, yeah. Um, that's not very nice of Dan Campbell. Let's hope that his uh, you know, caffeine regimen tomorrow gets him focused on keeping <laughs> the helmets on. Two 40-ounce cups of coffee With every two day. extra shots of espresso. <laughs> <laughs> what a legend. Hey, that was the first day of the Senior Bowl for us. You guys, any got, uh, final thoughts before we close up? Final thoughts, I just wanted to mention one guy that stood out. Calvin Austin from Memphis, a wide receiver. He's a slot wide receiver. And the fun the fun thing about the Senior Bowl, and this is my first, first year down here too, but the really fun thing about being down here is you got close to 100 players down here, so it's impossible to scout all of these guys before you make it down here. But just seeing guys that flash, that you'd never heard of, never watched, and Calvin Austin was that guy. It, there's just this something about his route running that just really sticks out because how it is is like these guys don't get a lot of practice, don't have a lot of meetings. So all of the all of these routes, like some of some of them, like the route concepts are foreign to them. Everything that he was running looked so natural. He looked like he'd been in this off. In, the, in these route concepts and in this offense for a very, very long time. He looked like the most polished route runner out here. Now, he is a little undersized, but I, he he really flashed, and I, I'm excited to keep watching him. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the Bears need all sorts of receivers. They have one on their roster. Right. So, <laughs> once you get past number 11, we are open for business here in Chicago. I thought another guy that uh, stuck out to me, wide receiver by the last name of Dobbs. We talked about him, Romeo Dobbs. He had a solid game. I thought Dontario Drummond was a solid, if a little unspectacular, but hey, some players out there kind of look bad by the end of practice, and Drummond held his own at a more sizey kind of wide receiver profile. But... Outside of that, I mean, that was practice. I think tomorrow we could do a good job of splitting up eyes because I was just staring at the wide receivers and DBs pretty much all day. But that, that's that's the wrap up. I mean, we've got more, two more today or like tomorrow, day after that. JB, any final thoughts from you? Yeah, uh, I thought it was really cool. I got to meet some people in person that I have talked to on the podcast and only virtually, and so that was really neat to actually shake their hand and. And meet them in person, including uh, Math Bomb, Kent, uh, who's the Lions fan, who yeah. does, does uh, all the uh, cool visualization of all the measurables. Uh, met him, talked to him for a while. Talked to our friend Brad, who I'd never met in person, Brad Spielberger. Um, saw John Dorsey, walked right next to him. He has a very plain Detroit Lions sweatshirt that he must have bought like in 1980, one of each NFL team because every team he goes to, <laughs> he wears the exact same sweatshirt, yep. just you know, with yep. the current team that he works for. Um, and then I saw I uh, was uh, sitting next to Drew Rosenhaus, who was uh, hammering out a deal. And so you know, it Always was kind of cool to uh, you know just kind of see these people that you see all the time, and and uh, they're they're working, they're doing stuff. So it was fun. It's been a really, really cool experience. And Bears fans, we will be with you every step of the way. So stay tuned for the podcast channel for more updates. Brandon, you and I, I'm sure, will put together something on Luke Getze here in a little bit. JB, if you want to hang out for that, you certainly can. Just talking about the hire because we haven't gotten a chance to recently. And until next time, Bears fans, bear down. And thank you so much for hanging out with us. 